Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Style Guides podcast, a podcast dedicated to all things front end style guides, pattern libraries related. Uh, my name is Brad Frost. I'm Anna Debenham. And today we are extremely excited to be talking with the great Uncle Dave Rupert. Dave, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. Uh, some somebody told me you brought a special friend along. I did. I brought my uh, good friend, Mister Soundboard. Excellent. Yay! He's on loan from the ShopTalkShow dot com. Excellent. Yeah. Well. Oh so- my. <laughs> So, so, so there's this, this podcast that you do, huh? Uh, do you want to talk about that for a second? Just sort of give everybody a, a little bit of background on who you are, what you do, and where you're coming from? Sure. Um, really simply, um, I am in the lead developer at Paravel. That's my day job. I work with Trent Walton and Regan Ray, two of my best friends. Uh, we've been working together about... Uh, I don't know, seven, eight years, which is a hundred years on the web time. And we have uh, known each other since like high school. So pretty great uh, relationships there. Um, It's great to work with two people, you know, and trust really well. Uh, And yeah, so we're kind of a small little agency based in Austin, Texas, and I co-host a shop talk show with Chris Quare of CSS Tricks and CodePen. And we, uh, we're a sound effects podcast that also talks about web design. So that's, <laughs> that's basically our life. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, man, I'm so you, glad you guys asked for this. I can't. Yeah. It was in well, my hey. writer. So. <laughs> it's in your rider next to the green M and M's. Yep. Um, so, Which are delicious, by the way. <laughs> These, yeah, what you guys are. have done is really amazing. Um, so, so at Paravel, you guys do client work for a bunch of different types of clients, or sort of a whole range. And, and what do you guys actually produce? for a lot of your clients or like what, what is your relationship with, with a lot of them? Yeah. Um, so our client base is, is pretty diverse. It can be very small companies from very large companies. Um, we are a three person team. So what we tend to do really well is graft on to a larger team. And that's kind of Mm. what it's been the work we've been involved in over the last, I don't know, three ish, four ish years or so. Uh, kind of joining on larger, more established teams and and helping them with their responsive strategy. Uh, they're just just prototyping and and kind of uh, what would we call it patternization y sort of things for their <laughs> websites. And we've done a, a whole lot of work in that regard. Um, most notably, we worked uh, on the 2012 Microsoft.com redesign which was really cool. And that's kind of where, you know, you, you always start with object oriented programming in your brain you're like, yes, CSS classes, objects. Yes. But, uh, it was on that project that Tyson Matnich, uh, who you guys should follow on Twitter. He's great. He's super awesome. Uh, we, he really pushed us towards kind of, uh, the atomic, 
before it was even called atomic, Brad. But he, he <laughs> kind of pushed us towards that like atomic thing. Like this is a thing. It can literally be used anywhere and everywhere on the site. People are going to use it bad. So it has to be super tolerant of that. How do you build it? Um, so, so we kind of uh, worked with him on that and it was, uh, it was great. I had a lot of fun. Uh, that was, that was good times. That's excellent. Does that sum it up? Okay. Yeah, no, I think that that's fantastic. And that, that segues quite nice into, into sort of, well, that relationship, first of all, is really interesting and I wish we had more time because I think that sort of these sort of small teams of, of, craftspeople sort of latching onto a broader organization is, is something that I find really fascinating and, and really effective actually. Uh, so, but that's sort of an aside. Uh, I think that this, this notion of this pattern based design and development workflow, which translates into something that, that well, you wrote a post of the same title called responsive deliverables, right? Uh, you know, what, what do our, deliverables look like in this sort of pattern-based era, in this sort of multi-device, this multi, you know, this really crazy diverse uh, web landscape? Like, what? Do, how do our, our deliverables change? Because you're not handing off, like, here's your site, have have a nice day, right? You're, mm-hmm. tra- you're trying to sort of deliver to this, this bigger organization, well, one, a bigger web team within that organization, but that's itself a subset of of a much much bigger ecosystem so it's like it's so it's up to you to sort of give them the lego bricks they're going to need in order to to sort of bring themselves into the future yeah it, it kind of got into you have you know with responsive and everything everything is so complex you know, you're, you're in your, if you're working large companies, they already have 1 million pages on their website, you know, from the SEO era. So we have just all this, all this <laughs> content and all these templates. And so I, Dave Rupert, am not able to fix an enterprise website by myself. So what you end up having to deliver is, is almost a package, a, a, a a toolkit to build out a whole website. And my idea there, you know, you kind of want to correlate it to designers and get designers on board as well, kind of make that understandable. Uh, but design has been doing this for a long time. You, you have, you know, like an identity and that identity gets a typeface and then that identity gets, I don't know, you make business cards and packages and, uh, you wrap vans and stuff like that in, in this identity and it becomes a really, you know, the more consistent you are, the stronger the identity is. I, I, I think we could all probably agree on that. Uh, but it's the same with the web, you know, how consistent your website is across the board. It is kind of how, you know, does, does everything have the same look and feel across the board? And, and we all know when you like, load up a web page and there's like a second class like JavaScript injected third party widget thing. You like, Hmm, that's not part of the website. <laughs> so right, uh, you, right. you need to kind of, it's, it's all your website is also part of your brand. It's your marketing. So, um, yeah. and it's your app, you know, or whatever that is, but it's, it's the interface of how people use your brand. Uh, so I took that like, you know, I don't know, Saul Bass, Paul Randy kind of stuff. And then, 
you know, kind of applied that thinking to a page, you know, which is basically just classes like, um, you know, modular CSS plus, sure. uh, I don't know, data objects in the database. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think that that, that really makes a lot of sense. And I think that that historical context does very much apply because, you know, back to the, that sort of brand identity stuff, it's yeah. You, you're designing a logo, and you have no idea where you're where it's going to go. <laughs> and, and in this day and age, it's like we're making websites, and we have no idea where it's going to go. Uh, a site I, I just recently got sent a, an article or a, a video of a of a smartwatch, and Anna, you'll appreciate this. Uh, firing up a, a website that I helped design, and wouldn't you know it, it actually you know works quite well, and it's on this like tiny little, you know, two hundred pixel wide thing. Uh, and and I think that that's increasingly right. What we're up against is is we're designing for a future that's unknown. We're designing for an environment that's constantly going to be unknown. So how do we establish systems that that anticipate that and and that can sort of promote consistency and cohesion uh, across the board? So so you guys successfully did this. You successfully delivered. This what what you call a tiny bootstrap for for every client, which I think just really perfectly encapsulates sort of what this whole podcast is is really about, and you know the the, the subject at hand. Uh, do you, do you know sort of with it because you guys worked on sort of like the home page and like those sort of main sort of landing pages, right? Uh, do you know what the, sort of the status of that? system that you handed off to uh to microsoft like what what's going on with that in this day and age or is it did, did they say like oh that's nice and threw it in the trash or are they like trying to trying to roll that that system out to the the rest of the legacy site yeah uh that system to my knowledge is actually working its way through the whole site. Um, and, it, and it may be like one part of Microsoft gets it, uh, the pieces, and then they're, they're kind of like, we're going to do our thing to it. And, and that's it's from the same DM, DNA, but it's different, right? Um, Mutations. It, it'll mutate as it goes. <laughs> but that's what's been really interesting for me. If you want to hear more about how that's going, um, I recommend – can I talk about competing podcasts on this network? Is that – the? if you listen to the uh, Microsoft uh, episode of the Responsive Web Design podcast, uh, yeah, Chris Balt, a- who's kind of the head of MSCOM, Microsoft.com, uh, he is he, – he kind of tells – like behind the scenes of how it's rolling out. And it's been really cool. Uh, just the other day, uh, when JS on their GitHub released the grid they used to build Microsoft.com, which like Trent Walton and I coded up in my spare bedroom, uh, nice. <laughs> but, but now it, it's released and it's like a full 24 column grid, like super, like way, way more advanced than what we had delivered. So they're taking it, owning it and running with it. And that's, that's the cool thing. That's also very like, I don't know, as a, you're losing control of that creative effort, which is interesting. Um, I could probably write a really emotional song about, (laughs) (laughs) I pushed my code in. Now it's, 
mutating or whatever, but um, but it, it's my twelve column grid is now twenty four. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's the world's like saddest country song. No, um, but that's the thing. It's 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 very it's cool that that people are adopting it and taking it and and proliferating that throughout an organization such as Microsoft. So um, it's, it's that's cool. excellent. It's, yeah, that's yeah. that's. A, yeah, that is a 100% success story as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's, you know, obviously, and that's the sort of, you know, living part of the living style guide, right, is it's meant to sort of evolve and shift with the organization. And, and that's awesome to hear that they're they're running with it. That's fantastic. And, and kudos to them because, like, that's the hard part. Making, yeah. <laughs> making web pages yeah. is just childish. It's easy. But, um like the organizational effort to to like get people on board to get people to mo- even own it and modify it that's that's awesome and and I'm you know every time I go to Microsoft it's like another page is responsive or another section so uh it, it's cool to see that kind of working through That's really great. And in your um in your post response to deliverables you uh you mentioned right at the end that you um use smacks which is by it's a system by jonathan snook um could you explain to someone who doesn't know anything about smacks like how that has helped you with building um a responsive deliverable yeah i can so smacks by jonathan snook it's a book um it books are these collection of words in a <laughs> long format yeah it's like a hundred medium blog posts in order um <laughs> It's, but, um, Jonathan, uh, this was the, uh, this, you know, when you're like, uh, so anyway, uh, Jonathan through his work at Yahoo, I think he was on Yahoo mail specifically. And then he's gone on to modify the book and update it since he's works with Shopify and other companies. Uh, but he kind of proposes a, how do you write? like very thought out CSS in on a large scale that is going to grow and grow and grow to, you know, hundreds of developers and hundreds of everything. It's, it's super cool. And this was the first book like CSS book I've read since like designing with web standards that I was like, Oh my gosh, this is, (laughs) this is awesome. This is, this is the best CSS book I've ever read. So, um, so I really enjoyed that book. I recommend you buy it. It's like nine bucks or something. Maybe it's 18, but it's really, really good. Um, but smacks is just scalable modular architecture for CSS. So it's just his point of view. There's a lot of other architectures like BEM. And now there's this thing atomic, which like doesn't have anything related to (laughs) Brad's atomic, but, uh, it's kind of in the same vein, but, um, but yeah, there's a lot of new architectures and stuff like that, or, or BEM is kind of old, but, um, but yeah, I, this was the, the one that I grokked, like the, that I immediately identified with. I was like, yes. And I trust Jonathan like to boot, to borrow a Canadian phrase. Uh, he he just uh, if you've ever talked with him in person or or heard one of his talks it is just downright i don't know it's really smart yeah 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 i i went to his workshop which which was on smacks and it was just fantastic and it kind of got me completely rethinking how i write css 
Mm-hmm. If you go to the website, smacks.com, uh, <laughs> and read the state rules, I think that was the one where I was like, wow, he's thought of things. Very, yeah. Like, yeah. like, is collapsed. Yeah is error is you know you're using a verb to say that Mm. this is something that is verby this this is in motion this moves this right and like you you don't i mean dave rupert.com he's like uh form dash error dash messed up dash i'll fix this later you know and and (laughs) he gives you a a architecture uh that you can it, you can adapt parts of it if you want, or you can adapt everything, but it's very cool. Um, just, it, it was the best. It, it really helped me like in terms of thinking about modular CSS and modular websites and, and components and all that. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so building on that, those, those states, especially and stuff like in your, in your pattern libraries that you're delivering to your clients and, and helping them create are you articulating all those different states and and you know sort of how are you going about you know form input is error or whatever and stuff like that or button is is processing or or all of that stuff do you do you articulate that stuff in your style guides uh and and sort of you know what tools are you using or you know are how are you oh and and just sort of sort of adding on to that, like how are you articulating like, and here's what the class is for that. Mm, Yeah. Usually it's just, um, just really verbose documentation. Like if you have an input, you repeat it five times and for whatever state, um, I, this is an, or like I'll write a little paragraph with bullet points and explain each state or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of documents how that goes. But in the documentation part, it's pretty cool. I, I don't do a great job at that. People can, people who have looked at my code can, um, attest to that, but, <laughs> uh, that's the best part. I, I feel like when when you start doing that you're you're starting to say like okay this is this makes sense it's like writing a blog post um about every css file <laughs> but it's like yeah. like writing a blog post you know, the people say like blog posts are actually for you to think through something you know sometimes yeah. that's what people say uh which i totally agree with um and yeah so how you document actually makes you rethink like I recently had a form thing it was kind of incomplete you know didn't show everything or whatever and I was just like I'm redoing this I'm gonna make it I'm gonna show everything it's gonna be cool and and like (laughs) you know it it was fun um it it was just like the exercise the challenge was was fun yeah yeah, and that documentation, sort of the more it becomes ingrained in, in the workflow and stuff, and especially if you can sort of roll that into a living style guide is is where sort of the real power comes from. Uh, sort of watching uh, Dave Olson work on the next version of Pattern Lab, sort of he's, he's working on sort of a plugin architecture, and the plugin that he's sort of latching onto as a sort of prototype is for KSS, which is like a CSS documentation. Uh, you know, you just basically write a giant, uh, you know, CSS comment above 
your code for a particular module, right? Like a Smacks mm-hmm. module or whatever. And then, uh, and then it sort of dynamically generates documentation for it. And, and basically Dave's sort of sucking that into pattern lab to sort of live beside the actual living, breathing module, which I think is just really fascinating and really cool. Um, but it just like, I, I don't know for, for me, like that's, it's about sort of building that into your workflow, but then sort of making that visible to other people. I think that there's sort of two parts to it. Like one is doing the damn thing. And then the, the second part is, is making sure that everyone knows it's there. Right. And then there's also making sure that they maintain it when. <laughs> right. Stuff. Right. And that's where, and that's where it's sort of like automatic, like pattern libraries and automatic documentation and stuff like that. I see that stuff as being like increasingly important and helpful. Mm. So, um, yeah, so uh, sort of building on that, you're sort of working with another client on sort of establishing a, a, a pattern library. Uh, do you want to sort of talk through uh, sort of, you know, that whole process? Because it sounds really, really fascinating, sort of the work that you've been doing as far as like sort of taking an existing thing and really sort of rolling up your sleeves and, and, and making it uh, a lot more pattern-based and consistent, cohesive. Yeah, um, we have, Paravel has been working with a company called Retail Me Not. Um, in the UK, it might be vouchercodes.uk, that code at UK. You might know it, Anna. Yeah, that anyway. sounds familiar. <laughs> but we're working with the American version. Um, and this is a website that over time, you know, has grown really organically. And then there's also been kind of acquisitions and things like that. Um, so it, it, in its current state and, and like, please, <laughs> no one be upset. Uh, I, I'm it's like every page of the website is different and it's different for a reason, whether it was a different designer or a different developer or a different time, like decade or something you know something was different like the style the trend the idea the person who was like hey how about we do this or hey you have to do this was different you know um wait wait, dave dave you're telling me that sometimes people make websites that are different and inconsistent i'm saying those inconsistencies can seep in so uh, <laughs> That's so, unheard of. I've never. Heard of <laughs> so, so the website sort of struggles with with this, and and we have contributed to it. You know, we we did a little project, and people were the the our director that of that time was like, yeah, no, no, <laughs> what is it? No strings attached. Don't worry about anything. Just you, you know. Vibe it blue, out, man. Blue sky, know? yeah, blue sky. Yeah, blue sky, that's it. Uh, so it was like, yeah, blue sky project. And we were like, cool, we took advantage of that. And then shipped a page. It was totally different than everything else. And it's like, gosh, we this is like a – this keeps happening, you know? So, um, so we kind of like sat around and we were like, I think one of the biggest goals needs to be how to make the website look the same, you know? And, and, and that – was kind of everyone kind of got on board. Everyone's still on board with that and working towards that goal. But the the like how we do that was kind of a big question. And one of the things we wanted from like an engineering perspective was to like know 
no dependencies. You know, you don't know if you make a change on page A, if it cascades over to page B and broke page B. Does that make you guys are familiar? Yeah. Yep. Yep. With mm. breaking pages. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like super good familiar. at it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, um, so we needed to make sure we didn't like everything either was documented or isolated, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. So did you do a lot of namespacing? Yeah. A lot of namespacing, um, kind of settled on like a, a namespaced class and, and, and going that route for a lot of things that helps that kind of insulates you from, from, I don't know, somebody just taking, I, it it kind of prevents people from like writing really loose classes like banner or something like that 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 is just going to get mowed over by somebody else or some or header mm-hmm. or heading box. box yeah exactly so you kind of want to make like give these things namespaces so we've tried really hard to do that and um uh and I can talk more on that later um so we started with the the pattern lab io pattern lab uh, which was awesome. And I got to say, if I'm sure if people are listening to this, they've already done it. But uh, working with in a pattern lab for the first time, like an official, like I'm starting with components and building a thing up, that was revolutionary. That was super cool. And I want to say thanks, uh, Brad and, and everybody, for, for all the help there. So, um it was Dave. It's yeah. <laughs> all Dave. Mostly Dave, Dave Olson. Right? Okay. Yeah. Mostly I just, Dave. <laughs> I didn't know. Well, okay. Mostly Dave. Yeah. Thanks, mostly Dave, for yes. <laughs> all the um, Because it was, uh, you know, it, it, you didn't know you needed something. That's that's kind of the the feeling I got. I didn't know I needed to work on something on the atomic level. I didn't know I needed to work on something on the molecular level. Uh, but it's really changed my thinking and, and even just how I build things in general. So I, I like immediately when I see something, it's like sliced up. I make code pens of that one molecule. Um, (laughs) and you know, that's kind of, it's changed my thinking. Like it's systems, not pages. I think that's a very common phrase, but, Mm -hmm. but that idea that you are working on ingredients, not, on the whole large thing. So let me tell you you, the tale. Can I tell you? Okay. Yeah, please do. (laughs) Do you have a sound effect that that sort of, you know, leads into a a good tale? You want to, Oh, I don't have a, let me see. Yeah, here we go. You like, like a spook. (laughs) So (laughs) the need, so we, we built the pattern lab out and that was great. And, but it was very clear, like it would be hard to integrate this into the existing production system, uh, just because things were different. This uses mustache. That's not on the server, blah, blah, blah. So we were like, okay, so this is kind of where the quest for the Holy grail begins, you know, the, and I call the Holy grail, the like thing where you're production and your pattern lab and your dev everything's in sync and beautiful and not everything works and everything's perfect and nothing breaks (laughs) everything's always up to date uh that's like i think what everybody wants and some people are succeeding like um 
the Lonely Planet Ian Feather. has a yep. pretty good Ian yeah. Feather, yeah. Ian. <laughs> Ian is succeeding. Um, I think Sophie Shepard said she has something that's working too. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It, so it's mostly Ian, some Sophie, and they have this figured out. But um, so we made a move to put this into the production environment, and we were like, let's get all this stuff, all the pattern lab, and put it in the production environment. That went good. Um, until like people started committing code to it <laughs> and that sounds terrible, but, <laughs> but um, it, it, it was kind of like immature and then all this stuff started flooding into it, uh, which kind of polluted the whole pattern lab. Cause, cause like if your pattern lab is inconsistent, you have not made a pattern lab. Does that make sense? Like if mm. inconsistencies. If it's different to what's on the site. Yeah. And there's been a big move to, to try to do this. We, we, we've kind of raised an umbrella called design standards, which is just that let's, let's figure out, you know, colors, fonts, shapes, and figure all that out. <laughs> um, and just kind of come up with a framework to, to build the site. So that, um, that was, good but it, it was tough because it was kind of like this is not actually meeting our needs and then you know you, you, it may be very kosher one day but then like some commit lands from eight weeks ago and now it's super different you know so it, it was kind of a lot of effort to maintain so uh mike cravey at retail me not has uh and he's hired elise holiday who's super good at SAS yep. um, has hired Elise and they've kind of broken this out into a separate project called they're calling. Can I, can I, can I leak the title name? I don't know. I'm going to not leak it, but <laughs> they're working on a project uh, that's uh, I think for internal consume con- consumption use um, so that people can kind of spin up sites on their, their own, you know, test, you know, test prototype sites or maybe even their production sites, but they, they're not super tied into the main production build. Um, so they're working on something to, to abstract this stuff out, but then it'll be as simple as like an NPM module include to, to get it back into the system. Uh, so I, I can't, super speak to like how well that's going but it's it the quest goes on uh to find the perfect uh like how do your styles and your production you know how do they stay in sync style guide production style guide production right i feel like that needs a sound effect right (laughs) (laughs) um i like donut charts i think they're super rad that's the only one i got Um, so, so, okay. So you sort of went, you went from having your pattern library sort of exist outside the production environment. And that was like, uh, oh, okay, this is sort of a duplication of efforts because we need to get it into production. And then you put it into production. It got polluted just because a bunch of people are touching it. A bunch of people are contributing and things got really inconsistent slash, hard to manage i guess is that yeah well and it wasn't ready for prime time at that point but then things started coming in and so you know that's that's okay like you you need to we found that out really quick so that's good so we we we're like hey now let's come up with the dream scenario 
Right. So, so what is that dream scenario? Is sort of something we ask all of our all of our guests on here. It's like, what is that ideal pattern library? Like the, yeah, what is the perfect world? The perfect workflow? The perfect sort of client situation or whatever that that just leads to a really amazing pattern library. You know what does it what does a pattern library include? How does it work with the team and stuff like that? Do you have any yeah. thoughts on? I I really don't know. Um, I I I think what Elise and Mike and the team are working on is is really smart um, because if your style guide, if your bootstrap or whatever is inside an npm module. Um, and then maybe you can run it like a Jekyll or something, you know, but you, you can run that style guide and visualize it in a, like a standalone kind of app. I think that that's going to make a big difference because then you're pulling in, you're pulling in a pristine architecture into kind of a no man's land. Um, and you, I, I think that's a good thing in, Node is more or less like front end. Does that if it's it's very like server technical, but um, I feel like it it's a very first class system. Um, and so if you have a de- node module dependency or a Bowery dependency, that is very close to having like first party. You know if it. It's like fake first party, third party <laughs> impersonating first party. Uh, it's a ventriloquistic web design. Boom. <laughs> my book. Oh, my. Yeah. Um, so, so, so what you're saying is you're basically creating this language, creating your, your sort of front-end architecture as sort of a standalone thing and then sort of implementing it and making use of it and sort of sucking it in a, in a smart way. Yeah. Making it consumable. And that's the big thing, right? you know, it, yeah. it takes work on, on the production environment and it takes work on your, your standalone environment, uh, to make them kind of, uh, be the same, I don't know, just have the same, uh, I'm, I'm the word heartbeat is in my brain, but maybe this because yeah. we talked about <laughs> smartwatches. Uh, <laughs> um, it just you want to make sure that that that's a smooth transition and doesn't just crash people. But if it's just SAS files, it should work. Um, when it gets into templates, that's different because what if somebody wrote something in Python and want to have something's in PHP? What if something's in Ruby? Those all kind of use different templating languages. Uh, if that's the case, maybe you need something like handlebars. So now you have to use handlebars or mustache and, and then make sure that those systems are using that system and then make sure all your data models are like the same so that's difficult too yeah Mm. and that's something that that yeah that was something that we were talking with ian feather about was sort of how they had sort of a very ruby centric sort of templating language but that you know at the end of the day yeah they're playing around with node they're playing around with all sorts of other technologies and so they're actually sort of going from something that that works really well for one production environment and are sort of looking in their sort of next evolution of of their system to sort of make that templating layer 
more agnostic so that it's more portable. And I thought that that was really fascinating. Uh, but yeah, so it, yeah, it's, it's all for the greater good of having whatever the, the final products are, the, the, the final thing that, that people are actually interacting with have that same, I like that word heartbeat. It just feels like a Chevrolet commercial or something. It's like, <laughs> you know, you want your, your style guide to have that same heartbeat of the production environment. But from what I gather, what you're, what you're saying is that it's, it's a little dangerous to, to have them too closely married just because it sort of muddies the water a little bit or, or what do you think? Uh, you know, it's tough. It, it's like, um, a, in programming, we call it a separation of concerns. You know, you want right. to make sure those concerns are separated and that you don't build this he- like super heavy dependency on each other. Um, so I think that's been the big thing is, is separating that out. But um, it, it's like a, it, it's like a, a, you want to separate it, but you know, style and things like that do have a, a kind of, they, they do have a marriage to the, to the product, you know, that's, so that's, what's difficult. I think I'm even now thinking, you know, like what if you run an AB test on the production server and you change something hot pink and wow, it's a major success. The header needs to be hot pink immediately. Uh, now somebody has to roll that change back up, you, you know? And so now you have to make sure there's a kind of an ebb and flow, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and that's difficult too, I, I think on any level. Um, but yeah, that it's, it's tough. Somebody's going to crack the egg on this and make zero dollars. So I'm very, very excited for that day when that happens. So, mm. yeah, yeah, but no, it, it, and I think that sort of what you're hinting at, it, certainly towards the end of of what you were saying, is that it does involve a workflow change. It it involves sort of you know, treating the style guide, treating like pattern based design and development as like a cornerstone of your process, so that if you do run an A B test and the and the header needs to be hot pink immediately you know the first thing isn't oh let's let's you know launch the hot pink header on production and you know it's it's okay well our system needs to make a change to to accommodate this and then that final production environment will implement that system right so it's Mm -hmm. it's sort of like putting putting the style guide sort of ahead of anything else in the workflow <laughs> i guess so 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 that so that the the style guy becomes like the the source of truth is is honest and mm-hmm. is is up to date yeah and that's you know it has to exist out in front but it also has so now a mid, middleman or woman um in elisa's case uh, needs to be kind of the the relay between those two and i think i, I was going to say that i think that's kind of a big thing that uh, retailing not has done that I don't know that everyone has done is kind of in, in, install the style guide czar of sorts, you know, to, yeah. to make sure that that code um, is working. Um, and yeah, and, and so I think that's good. 
I think you need like an internal evangelist to make sure that everyone kind of uh, is playing by the same rules, that CSS meets a certain standard. I know uh, Elise has done a lot of work in, in making sure everything's documented, making sure everything's consistent, making sure there's not a lot of stupid stuff in there that I wrote. So it's been good. So. Um, <laughs> Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, and and I mean, knowing Elisa, she's I th- she sounds like a perfect person for a, for a job like that. Somebody that could really sort of help get a lot of people on board with with something that that is it's a new concept. Like all of this stuff is really new, which is which is why we're talking about it. Is is like you know everyone's sort of stumbling their way into this sort of thing that that you know. These, even though sort of the idea of modularity and patterns and stuff has have been around for a while, it's it's really only been in the last couple of years that it's it has become essential for organizations to really adopt this mentality. So I do think it's incredibly helpful to have people like Elise that that and and, and people like yourselves, you know, that that are sort of working with the organization as sort of. A, coach or champion for this kind of thinking right no you need champions champions you (laughs) pay we're gonna put champion against the opponent's champion (laughs) and we'll put the winner on a wheaties box yep it'll be dave rupert establishing a style guide and you'll be on the front of a Wheaties box, and everyone will be, be so be, confused. I'll everyone be will be just over a web page, just back. <laughs> <laughs> I weigh like two hundred fifty pounds. If that's an image, for you. <laughs> <laughs> just a, a whale of a tail. Uh, I love it. I, I'm gonna get to work in Photoshop. So, um, but <laughs> that's great. That's great. Uh, can you give me uh, muscles? appreciate it appreciate you well well, I think that that's a a good note to end on I think Uh, but no seriously thank you so much for for, uh, taking the time to come on the show and thank you for for you know that that responsive deliverables article that you wrote was was really pivotal and and sort of how I talk about all this and think about it you know this whole like Tiny bootstraps for every client as is now very much a part of my vocabulary and, and, and mentality. So really appreciate you sharing all of your experiences and stuff, especially for a client as big as Microsoft and stuff. It's like, you know, because you're, you're in that same boat. It's like, oh, well, this only works for blogs and personal sites. And, and for you guys to be able to, to be out there, you and Trent and, and, and Reagan, sharing your experience, your knowledge and stuff, that's, that's sort of why we're, we're all here and, and talking about this stuff further. So, so thanks so much for, for contributing in that way and obviously your podcast and everything else. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, and thanks for having me. Uh, big fan of the podcast, and, and wish you guys the best. This is this is great to have. And if anyone out there solves the golden, the, the holy grail, uh, <laughs> let me know. I'd super appreciate it. Yeah, uh, and, and to, to add to that, it, it solve it in such a way that that just magically works for everyone everywhere all the time. Yeah, because <laughs> that's that's what we're finding. Is it's hard to scale it. If it could work on WordPress and Jekyll seamlessly, you're my best friend. And Drupal. And Drupal. I'll just put in <laughs> Drupal there too. 
<laughs> and Adobe CQ. Yeah. Yeah. And what is it? Like, oh, uh, yeah. Anyway. Cold Fusion. Cold, that's all I get. Okay, that's the last one. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, thanks so much again for, for being on the show, and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.